Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. You've probably heard about Fiverr, a global marketplace of skilled freelancers. But sometimes businesses need to manage multiple complex projects simultaneously. That's why they created Fiverr Pro, where you can gain access to the very best freelancers, streamline your workflow with a user-friendly dashboard, and collaborate on projects with your team. Designed to handle projects of any size, Fiverr Pro is the ultimate freelance solution for your business, with no hidden membership or subscription fees to get started. Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who remembers the days when the internet was a wild west of unverified information, amateur pornography, and vicious flame wars you know like last week. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know around tech and well beyond. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the Red Chairs, we have two people involved in the new independent film called Jezebel, which recently debuted on Netflix and is also in theaters. I'm here with Numa Perrier, the director and co-star of the film, and Tiffany Tenniel, who stars as a young online sex worker in the 1990s. The film is based on Numa's real-life story, and it's been getting rave reviews. Numa and Tiffany, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) So uh, I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to do some really... uh, What I'm trying to do is do interesting podcast all the time. But one of the things that struck me as this perfectly, it's sort of hidden. You know, this is... We focus a lot on tech here. We talk about media Mm -hmm. quite a bit. So why don't you talk a little bit about... And I was around, I was saying, before when Mm -hmm. this was happening, when the internet first came online on AOL and other places. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a lot of... I, I wrote a lot about it at the mm-hmm. time, um, including the Communications Decency Act and, and things that were trying to regulate this early internet. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about how you, this movie came to be from you, Numa? Uh, well, as a filmmaker, I've been making films for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I always knew that I wanted to act and write and be, come to Los Angeles. And uh, Jezebel predates all of that. So as I started to train as an actor, I was in a class with directors as well that were there to learn how to deal with actors better. And that's where I really caught the directing bug Mm -hmm. first. And so I started making my own short films. I started working a lot in the digital space. I ran an independent digital streaming network Mm -hmm. that started on YouTube called Black and Sexy TV Mm -hmm. and just worked on so many projects from script to screen as a director, as an actor, as a writer, always knew that eventually I wanted to make a feature film because a lot of that work was short form. Sure. Um, You know, but had a lot of experience in production and storytelling and a fan base and was really ready to make that move. So you use these tools very early, the online tools Mm -hmm. really early, because that was where access was for people who couldn't just you know, start a big budget film right away in Hollywood. Absolutely, kind of yeah. So talk about that. Talk about that that growth of people through that because that's the way these voices are starting to come up mm-hmm. um, into 
you know, wider and wider and more mass market. Yeah, the first short film that I made, I put on YouTube, and it mm-hmm. was when uh, YouTube, not when it first came out, but it's like 2006, 2007, early, early YouTube, mm-hmm. before even they, it really uh, looked good on you know on mm-hmm. YouTube, and you weren't really advised to put an actual film on there. It was more for Why the vlogging space. I did it because I wanted the film to be seen. I, I just had an early sense of the internet being a place where I had freedom to do whatever I, I wanted, to post anything, to connect with anybody. And I just wanted to put my film on there. And I started meeting other like-minded people who were putting their videos and their mm-hmm. projects on YouTube as well. And then the technology started improving and improving. And now it's a space where you can really, uh, you know, you can produce an entire series that looks great mm-hmm. that can go directly to the people who respond the most to right, it. Right, where you find your audience. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so this is where you started doing this to Jezebel. Exactly. So I said that I want to make a feature film, but I always had the vision of it going to the digital space. Mm -hmm. So everything that's happening with the film now feels perfectly aligned with that because all of my works has, I've been kind of self-distributing in that space for many years. For most of your career, Mm -hmm. right? And so this right now, just to be clear, it's going to be on Netflix. Uh, This is today. This doesn't know when this airs, but it's today. (laughs) I know. Um, It's now on Netflix. (laughs) I'm going to get to you in a second, Tiffany. But it was... um, so it's on Netflix. It's also in theater. It's going to be in the theaters. Yes. It opens in L.A. Friday the 17th at the Amanda Cinema that Ava DuVernay built. Mm-hmm. And uh, her company, Array Releasing, is distributing the film. Right, which she has been looking to try to find more diverse voices and stuff mm-hmm. like that and to push them out to the public, Absolutely. All right, Tiffany, how did you get involved with the film? And we'll talk about the, what the film's about mm-hmm. in a second. Go, go ahead. Uh, well, it was really interesting because um, I admired Numa. Um, I didn't know she knew who I was um, at the time I got the role, but I admired her from afar and was really fascinated with her. And I believe that the universe kind of brought us together mm-hmm. because I saw that she was going to be hosting an event sh- showcasing her previous films. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just showed up and she shared. You're an me. actor. You're looking for I am. Yeah. I am. So you were looking around Hollywood and then you wanted to go meet her and talk uh, about this. I, I guess you can. I guess you can say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't okay. necessarily want to just work with anyone. I mean, yeah, it's a very a film though too. I, I uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, already had a film out. Um, uh-huh. And Numa actually was— um, What had you been doing? You came here from where? I'd love yeah, to know I your came background. from Chicago, uh-huh. um, more specifically uh, a suburban town called Oak Park. Mm-hmm, I know. And, yeah, that's interesting. It's a beautiful town. Isn't it so it beautiful? Is. It is. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, I just grew up in Chicago, went to the theater school at DePaul University, mm-hmm. and immediately after I graduated, I already had the role Roboto. It was a um, USC film. Mm-hmm. And then I just left uh, Chicago and went on Faith and came came here. So with that project, Roboto, um, that's actually how I was kind of— Explain Roboto. Okay. Roboto is a, like a foreign film. It's mm-hmm. a, a French film. And uh, it's about a young man, a young boy, another, another coming-of-age story, who basically is abused by a family member who actually is a male, his mm-hmm. stepfather, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, play, I played his girlfriend. I didn't have any lines in the movie, but, you know, I was like, his girlfriend, but also I was someone who— like saved him mm-hmm. without, like, words. without words. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right. Actually, like we do. Yeah, how we do it. Yeah, I yeah, know exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that project, Roboto by Erica Watson, mm-hmm. who's amazing. Um, 
that's how Numa and I connected because I saw that she was going to be moderating an event mm-hmm. the next day mm-hmm. with Roboto in mind with a oh. bunch of other wow. slew of short films. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to go meet Numa because I was a huge fan of hers and I just wanted to introduce myself. And you had met, you had seen her online, uh, on YouTube and that's how yes, you got to know. Yes. What, I, what I want to get to is the idea is that these connections are being made in different ways than mm-hmm. they used to be. You're yes. not at the polo lounge making, we're playing golf or yeah, becoming. Yeah, we're like, what's the polo lounge? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, just the idea of how people yeah. connect now and do Absolutely. creativity is a very mm-hmm. different way than it was, and it gives you the ability to do so yeah. or to meet each other. So you had Jezebel. You This was your life experience mm-hmm. back in the 1990s. Explain the plot of it for people. Yes. Yeah, so when I was 19, I was living in Las Vegas in a studio apartment where you pay every Friday uh, with my sister, her boyfriend, our brother, and my sister's uh, three-year-old son. Mm-hmm. All of us were living in this tiny in studio. studio. In a single In a single, yeah. It's it's called the Budget Suites. They're mm-hmm. still in Las Vegas. You can go get a room there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were living there, and we were kind of all crashing together because our mother was in the hospital. She didn't have a, a lot of time left uh, with her life. She had a lot of diabetic complications, and we were visiting her in the hospital every day, but just really this was kind of looming over our heads, and we mm-hmm. were trying to figure out what's going to be next. What are we going to do? You know, uh, what are we going to do when she passes on? So my sister was working as a phone sex operator. Mm -hmm. And again, we're in this really tiny room, kind of (laughs) like this space. We're in a a small room together. And so when she would go on for her shift, we would either leave or just kind of hear all this kind of moaning and groaning and Mm -hmm. weird sounds, you know, in the background. Yeah. Yeah, with the TV going. So it was awkward. It was also funny. It was Mm -hmm. also gross. But it was also <laughs> kind of this like curious thing where it's the first time that I'm hearing, you know, little snippets of different sexual things, you know. Mm-hmm. So And this was to make money. This was explain, yeah, explain was, the online sex industry at this time. People would call on phones. Yeah, it's so a one nine the one nine hundred numbers, you right. know, men would call in and there, you know, women all over the world would pick up the phone, mm-hmm. you know, and then they would develop their own clientele that way, have repeat callers, form intimate relationships even. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that people would was pay really, by the minute. yeah, people would pay by the minute and, you know, they could fulfill their fantasies in that way, but also connect to someone in that way and have um, a more intimate experience. So my sister was doing that work and it was a crazy thing for all of us, but she was the one that was making sure the rent got paid. Mm-hmm. Um, every Friday. So when her mother passed away, she was looking at me like, what are you going to do uh, with yourself now? She knew what my dreams were. She knew that I wanted to move to L.A. and be an actor and Had you write. Had up in Las, Las Vegas? No, my family, uh, we moved around. I was adopted at a young age, and mm-hmm. our family moved all around the country. But we ended up in Las Vegas when I was a junior in high school. So I was still there like that year after I graduated when everything was happening with our mom. Yeah. And so I had this ad in the paper and it's pretty much written word for word how I remember it. You know, (laughs) Um, the ad said, uh, looking for internet models, Mm -hmm. great pay, nudity required. Mm -hmm. And then Vegas. (laughs) In Las Vegas. And my sister gives me this ad. (laughs) It could be anything. (laughs) So the thing about Las Vegas in living there is that 
outside of the strip, there's a whole underbelly yes, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a transient lifestyle. And, and a, an a economy. People get, and yes, a very specific economy and a very specific environment that is, um, that is grooming you into a possible, like, sexualized anything, you know? Right. I went and did a story once there about the, the, strip, mall, the strip malls around. That's exactly right. Mm. I think you capture that beautifully, that sort of sad strip mall but and yet not it's dignified in in a different way too. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I went and did real a blue um, collar. Yeah, real, mm-hmm. and it was um, vajazzlers mm. that would uh, put sequins on strippers' vaginas. Oh. So, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah. I kept going, ow, that looks like it hurts if you put pants on. But it was mm-hmm. like it was really fascinating. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, this is really fascinating because mm-hmm. it's a whole. Of course you need vajazzle. Yeah. Right? Hello. And I didn't even think of that as a mm-hmm. job. But it was interesting. And, I, and and so there's there's this whole catering either to the strip clubs or the shows also, the whole thing, everything yeah, that goes on. Yeah, everything the, you can right, imagine. Right. So you can go to a strip club or you can go to a bit, a highly, you know, multi-million dollar production with, you know, beautiful nude women, mm-hmm. you know, dancing who are trained dancers, you know, mm-hmm. since they were like two years old. You can be a cocktail waitress. There are topless cocktail waitresses. You know, all of the there were all these job opportunities that were very sexualized mm-hmm. jobs. So it wasn't uncommon, you know, to see something like that at sure. all in Las Vegas. And my sister said, you know, you should go try this. You go try this. Go make money and go figure out how you're going to get yourself to LA. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, I went into the office mm-hmm. because we didn't have internet in this early days of the internet. We didn't even have that in no. our home. Right. A lot of people did it, and if you did, you had dial up. Right. So you had I had to actually go into an office like a real this was video, job. Not phones, yeah, right. exactly. And um, I was hired on the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Started working the same day. I was the only black woman working there. And the film is really about how I came of age through that job mm-hmm. and how the relationship with my sister and I, how that changed, how it expanded, how we cared for each other. Right. And that's really the heart of the movie. Right. And one of the things is you, you're not you, you got to the internet much later. I'm guessing yeah. <laughs> you look pretty young. Um, did you were you aware of this history of the internet, Tiffany? Uh, th- that had happened. Did you you couldn't really research this? I mean, there is no. now obviously people doing video, sex and video, mm-hmm. all go, porn tube and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, so different. I, um, I'll admit when I was younger. Um, I used to go on this thing called the party line. Mm-hmm. So that was our version of like, I guess, what what you were talking about, like the internet and everything. Right. It was just like, you, you know, like have fun and, you know. Flirt. Mm-hmm. You know, have your own like escape world and fantasy and you can mm-hmm. be whoever you want it. Right, right. But this idea of, of, of one of the things that people don't realize the early internet was, I think I, I um when I wrote my book on AOL in the 90s, this was mm. in the mid-1990s, mm-hmm. I said the house that Sex Chat built because it was all about sex chat in these chat rooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it became video, which changed it rather mm. quickly. And mm-hmm. when they first had video there, one of the things when they first started introducing video online, it was so uh, jerky because of the dialogue. Yes, it was all delayed. <laughs> it was all delayed. It was so but then they, they would only be able, in terms of using singers, they couldn't use any singers that move. Like Madonna didn't work well, but Jewel did because she didn't move. Because you would just sit there and strum, but it was a really, it was a really pioneering place. How did you learn about what it was? I mean, there are versions of it today, but it's not quite the same. No, thing. very different. Yeah, mm-hmm. you mean in doing the research? Yeah, 
oh, I watch documentaries. There mm-hmm. was a few on YouTube and um, uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just delved into the world, but I was very adamant and careful not to go too far mm-hmm. because in the movie, Tiffany is having this awakening. This She's going through it for the first time. And right. I really wanted to honor that and bring that experience for myself experiencing it. And learning that world for the first time. What did you her. think about it when you first, like people, well, they do a version uh, of it today, but that this was, this was one of the first uses of internet well, technologies. At first I judged it until mm-hmm. I started doing research. And I was just fascinated by how fun actually it, <laughs> it, it looked like and how I learned a lot about fetishes, for example, mm-hmm. and like like how, for example, people can you get something out of balloons mm-hmm. and you, you sit on it and just these really quirky <laughs> yeah. things yeah. that <laughs> excited me a little bit, actually. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and when I saw the people, because it was a documentary, this, the actual people, the human being behind the, the fantasy girl, mm-hmm. it was just like, wow, these are real girls just trying to make it. These are right. women mm-hmm. trying to survive. Right, right. Well, if you talk to anyone, once you talk to them, yeah. uh, I remember mm-hmm. being in a strip club once and actually asked them about their lives and so much different than what was going on on stage, which, yeah. of course, of course it is. Of course. Right. Of course. You're creating so nice a world. world. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. Numa, when you were doing this, did you think at the time, I'm going to make a movie about this, or just was this, you were doing this to make oh, money? Oh, no. You're I was just, money. like, making my money, right. escaping from that studio apartment. I hated, mm-hmm. I would rather be at work than going home. Mm-hmm. So I actually loved going into work because I got to wear costumes. Mm-hmm. I started having my frequent clients coming, in, coming to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we would just chat for an hour about our lives, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I was discovering things. I, I just, you know, I wasn't thinking about, I was just going day to day, you mm-hmm. know. How am I going to make sure did, I make enough money? Did you think about the sort of technological thing of what you were doing, that you were reaching people that, it, real people, but in analog people, but in this way? I tried not to really think about that because, you know, to explain how it worked back then was they could see Why us. Why don't you explain we, it? Yeah, explain they could how it see worked. us, mm-hmm. but we could not see them. So it would right. be like a little couch w- with three girls, three women, young women um, in bikinis, uh, typing on an old, you know, on a 90s Dell computer, mm-hmm. like like major, what kind of computer you major have hardware. Yeah. They had Dell computers yeah. <laughs> there. Because um, you so, could configure them. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was a whole thing. Um, there was a, a camcorder kind of attached to the top of the computer and um, so a light to kind of give you a little lighting. It was like, mm-hmm. I tried to really create that, recreate that the in the film, even you know, the, the way that that looked, you know, mm-hmm. like how cheap the design was, but very right. specific. So, but you could, we could not see them or hear them. Mm-hmm. They could not hear us. There was a delay on the video mm-hmm. and um, we would just type back and forth. So I became like a really great typist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you're just typing back and forth and seeing the words, but they're seeing you. And you're trying to kind of seduce them mm-hmm. and hoping that they'll take you for a private show where you make more money mm-hmm. and then it's a one-on-one experience. What was really interesting that that I also put in the film was in Las Vegas, prostitution is not legal. In Nevada, certain areas, there is. But in Las Vegas, it's not. So it's a very fine line. Right. And when this first came out, because it was so new mm-hmm. and the internet was so new, they were really trying to figure out what is the regulation here? What is the line? Is this prostitution or not? Because you're not you really know? doing anything. Yeah, because we're, it's like a peep show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was a law that was passed. They, they were right. just able to figure this out where if you did anything, if you showed any penetration mm-hmm. in any of those rooms, then that that would count as a prostitution mm-hmm. and uh, and that's criminalized, you know, mm-hmm. of course. So um so that was a, a big thing that was 
impressed upon us, like, to make sure you never do anything like that because that's illegal, you know, but everything else was legal. And so that's how they tried to regulate and figure out, well, what does this mean that you can engage in sexual fantasy with someone over right. the Internet, you right. know? which was at the beginning stages when you were doing it. Right. right? When you did. All right, when we get back, we're here with Numa Perry and Tiffany Tenniel, uh, the director and star, and also uh, Numa's also in the film, of the new film Jezebel, which they recently debuted on Netflix. It's also in theaters. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. We're here with Numa Perrier and Tiffany Tenniel, the director and star of a new film, Jezebel, which recently debuted on Netflix. It's about a um, young online sex worker in the 1990s. You were just, uh, Numa, just talking about this. Uh, Tiffany, when did you get on the internet? I'm just curious. What, when did you enter the internet space? Hmm, I think it was definitely around the MySpace time. The MySpace time. <laughs> you had a MySpace page. Yes. So all of this was not part of so your... It was like, what, 2000? No. Like... Ten. Ten, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early. Yeah. This is pre-Uber. That's pre-Uber, pre-a-lot of stuff. Right. It was before apps sort of started going in the 2007s mm-hmm. and 8s mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So your experience was already, video was already used on the internet. It was already common. Cameras were pretty good in phones, not mm-hmm. quite great yet, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Had you engaged in, not sexual stuff, but, the, you know, kids had started doing Snapchat and things. Snapchat didn't start till 2011, but it was it started to move into that space. Mm-hmm. Did you start to use video? Yeah, because it it became very common for people to to interact one on one. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, there was well, that's Periscope is recent, but Periscope was yeah, I, I used that one, but mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, Snapchat. A l- yeah, I, I definitely used that. That was really common, but mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't really. I don't know. I really haven't really. I don't, know how to, I don't really. Use, it's just as part of the option. Yeah, it's just a part of life. I can't even imagine right. it. W- Life without it, actually. Right, <laughs> right. So when you were doing this film, the mm-hmm. idea that uh, that you would type and stuff like that, I'm just curious what that when you were you were you were trying to come into it cold, essentially. Yeah, learning no, about it exactly. So wh- how did you think about preparing as an actor that doing that? Well, it was really a gift because Numa, I'm playing her, and she's yeah. you know right there side by side with me. So I really got a chance to like delve into her world and like um, unpackage her story and interview her. So that was a a lot of part of my journey with her, uh, just getting into her, but um, also like bringing my own experiences. Numa and I share such rich history, the same, like a lot of the same history. Like Mm -hmm. we both were adopted. Um, Birthdays are days apart Mm -hmm. and some really other cool things. So it was just like journaling and just trying to just trust in the moment to just go moment to moment and not come in with too much besides. Right. Well, what's interesting that I thought about it was one is the the decision not to use nudity Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. a a 
a business that's about nudity mm-hmm. or being being sexualized. Can you both talk about first, you Tiffany, about this idea is that you were you also you slowly come into your power. You begin very nervous in that interview um, where you have to strip, and mm-hmm. then la- later you have control of of that of right. that experience it, more and more, and seem to I don't want to say like it because that's not really what I want. I mean to say is that you get you you take power over it. I think mm-hmm. is really what I more more to the point. Yeah, mm-hmm. become emboldened by it. Yeah, actually that very. Very first scene um, where I'm asked to, stri- the character is asked to strip her clothes off. Mm-hmm. That was one of the hardest scenes we had to shoot because, first of all, we didn't shoot a lot of scenes more than once. It was just mm-hmm. like really yeah. quick. We shot the movie in ten days, so it was just no time for you know extra things. But that one, we spent time with it because we wanted to explore the curiosity in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you know finding the enjoyment and. It was just a hard scene to you know shoot because no, I didn't get nude, but mm-hmm. I definitely was pretty bare, you mm-hmm. know, You're and right. Numa, um, I really love Numa so much because she's like, she goes as far as she could. Like she didn't say cut until like something like we, <laughs> until you can see something basically, right. yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was cool because mm-hmm. it like fueled me, the character with like even more trepidation, like it intensified that experience. Right. right. It reminded me a little, uh, did you see Bombshell? Also, there's a scene where she is, where he's asking her to twirl and do some other things. What it did get through mm. was sort of the de- degradation of it, which yeah. is really interesting, yeah. but it wasn't in a prurient way. It was in a s- horrible, it was yeah. horrible mm. to watch yeah. the entire thing. But later you get control of it, you know, mm-hmm. especially that scene, which you can compare them. It's interesting, this scene where you are negotiating over having another girl on the video where you controlled that discussion with the owner of the With service. the higher pay scene? Yes, the or? higher pay. Yeah, the mm-hmm. higher pay Oh, scene. yeah, certainly. I, I enjoy my job. I, I, she enjoyed her job. She became good at it, and mm-hmm. she wanted to, to get her worth. Right, right. That, to me, was really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, also, sort of, True story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, both so, of those scenes actually happened to me, so I was like, I gotta so, put this in there. So talk about what, mm-hmm. so when, when a lot of people think of this industry, they do think of it as sort of degradation and people being used and this and that. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you you see the internet having both giving people power at the same time also creating these these ways people communicate because mm-hmm. it is sort of it's not analog because you you wouldn't have necessarily if someone said be in a peep show you might not have done that correct mm-hmm. like a, an actual right. one where right. you're behind right. where someone's this sitting. gave it a whole different sensation would for you me. have worked in a peep show if that had maybe yeah maybe but in this but case it in was this different. case it was it really was like, well, what is this? What is this thing? What is an internet model? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know what it was, and mm-hmm. I was I was learning technology and sexuality at at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that the space. I'm really glad that in the film that question kind of comes up, like yeah, exactly. exploitation versus agency. What is this space? What can happen on the internet? The anonymity of it, but also the connectivity of it at the same time. Right. All of that is definitely being raised in the film, and. And yeah, for me, I realized more of it in hindsight. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sitting down to write the script and I'm thinking back and I'm going, wow, gosh, this is really kind of similar to social media because, right. uh, you know, um, I love social media mm-hmm. and I connect to so many people in that way, you know. Sure. And a lot of that has, like, you know, really bolstered, you know, the film and everything and all of my work. But, even back then in 99, 1999, 2000, 1998, 
we were connecting to people on the internet in yeah. these really intense ways. Uh-huh. Um, not just because it was sexually intense, but because people felt lonely and felt like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I can see this woman and she is paying attention to me. Right. I have her full attention. We can talk. I and I don't have to go connected to some icky to place. Yes. Well, there was one time that I actually logged in mm-hmm. to our site mm-hmm. somewhere else so I could just get the experience of what it was to mm-hmm. see us. Yeah. And I could see how a person could become addicted to that mm-hmm. because it was well, tell me about that it was wow you know one of the things that you had um, never done that you had I'd never, never con- done you'd never that. been a consumer of I'd it. never been a consumer and I just I think that's so which interesting. is largely men right Correct? which is largely men I mean you assume I would say that they're mostly exactly. men you yeah. know they're, they're men of a, a certain age a certain demo mostly white men mm-hmm. you know um, because they're paying like six dollars a minute so it's a question of wealth privilege and mm-hmm. things like that as well but when I did that, I could see how someone could become addicted because you say, raise your hand, put your hand down, stand up, sit down, and that someone <laughs> that you can kind of dictate that and that um, and you can see any, them smiling at you. It's not and a it robot kind of, or a cartoon. Yeah, that it's or live. A, yeah. yeah. And so guys were really, they loved that. They would, please write my name on a piece of paper and show it to the camera. Just <laughs> And that was people's deep need to be recognized, I felt, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's what the internet has provided is this space for people who who feel awkward, mm-hmm. who feel neglected, who feel lonely, you can really form these deep connections, you know, with that also can come a danger and people deceiving people, catfishing, things mm-hmm. like that. So anything can go, but I really made that connection kind of recently, like in when I was writing the script, mm-hmm. going, oh, social media and that, it's kind of, it's all very similar. It's all very So connected. let me ask both of you two questions. One, you were talking about exploitation versus agency, because mm-hmm. that's I think that's a big theme in this movie, mm-hmm. it seems like it. Did you ever come down one way or the other, or does, can it be both? Did you feel exploited when you were doing it? And then did you feel exploited doing the, not in the role, but mm-hmm. when you were playing the, the role, in the character? Yeah, yeah. I never felt exploited by my sister. Mm-hmm. I felt exploited vibes, I guess, um, in doing the work sometimes. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people were abusive. I definitely Mm -hmm. had bad days. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I look back, I would say that I definitely had agency. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to do this job. I was curious about it. I liked the money that I made. I liked what I did. I liked being good at what I did. Mm -hmm. But I'm really glad that it still brings up that question because I did have to take a long look at it. Mm -hmm. Because you think, you know, when you're attached to someone, you have love for someone someone like your sister, um, that's not something that you would want to believe that that's what's happening. So I really had to take a look at that. But I did come out on the side of, no, I I had agency in this. This was her way of giving me a ticket to freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't asking me to bring the money home to her. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't doing this for herself. This is what she felt she could do for me. And did you feel it was somewhat safer because it wasn't going to a peep show? It wasn't going to a strip club? Yeah, because then absolutely. you're right in someone's face. Right, mm-hmm. you're right yeah. physically there with them. Yeah, we felt safer, but there was an element of danger mm-hmm. because you don't know who's on the other side right. of that. And so sometimes, if someone did say something abusive to you, you you don't know where that person is, what they, you know, if they found out where this office is. So it wasn't. We didn't feel completely free of danger. We didn't know if any of the girls were giving out the address or if anything like that was happening. Mm-hmm. So we weren't completely removed of that, but it did feel like a cocoon of just being with women, you know, and, um, 
yeah, not having to really engage physically with someone made a big difference. Right. What about being yeah. the character? I echo like all that, actually. Um, as Tiffany, I felt a sense of great agency, and I felt the sister introducing her to that world mm-hmm. was her way of—that was their bonding. That was their way of bonding, and, their you know, their mom died, and they— found how to cope with that by, you know, this world they created together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just felt really empowered by it. By empowered by doing that. Oh, and, yes. And what about connection? Because you use the word people connecting. Do you think people really connected, or is it a transaction? How do you look at it? I think it's definitely a connection. I've definitely found times where, in my own life in the past, like, you know, I would go to social media to connect with people, whether mm-hmm. it was, you know, like going live to just have some company. So I can definitely see how that can be an intimate thing between, you know, people. And it's especially it feels safe because one of the characters in the movie say like, oh, it's different, like it's different than stripping because you don't have to, or the sister rather said, you don't have to look at anyone. It's not mm-hmm. as gross. Mm-hmm. So it's just something really like intimate about that and feels safe. Like, you know, like it's just like a little secret. That's safety. What about connection? Do oh, you, connection. Do you, you think people being interacting thing is a good thing when you, as you were doing this character, mm-hmm. is who's it good for? You make money, you know, you mm-hmm. make a living. You have mm-hmm. to give up a piece of your. Uh, I know it sounds like a crazy question, but mm-hmm. years ago I was at a, in a town in New Hampshire, and it was um, a lot of Hasidic Jews. And I took a picture, and they had a camera. This is a long, long time ago. And the guy said, "You need to get rid of that. I don't. You're taking my soul." And I was like, oh, yeah, "That's real. You, you that know is what I mean? real. a very cultural thing." And I was thing. like, "It mm-hmm. is a cultural thing." And I thought we're taking little pieces of our souls when mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of these things. Um, so where is the where is the connection from your of your character? Do you think what well, connection mm-hmm. is she making? Well, specifically, like this, this was her, the cam world, Babe Nat was her mm-hmm. way of, you know, coping, like I said, with a lot of things that were happening Grief. in her life. Grief, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it was, yeah, she was giving so much of herself, but it also it was selfish. Mm-hmm. Like she, it was like almost like, you know, like therapy in a sense when after that, the, the scene when her mom died mm-hmm. and she revealed on her job, revealed to this guy who she became, built, built this bond with that, you know, What's going on in her life? I think that's a very vulnerable thing to do. And I don't think she would feel safe if there wasn't a real connection between them. All right. What about you, Numa? When you think about online, and then I, then when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about finding your voices and finding your audiences and also what what is the new media in terms yeah. of doing that. But yeah, talk the, about I connection. Mean, the nature of it is definitely transactional. I mean, they're, you know, they're paying their money and you're performing a service. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the nature of it. Mm-hmm. But something else actually happens when you engage in it. And that is kind of, you know, when I was watching it from the outside that one time, it's kind of this like magical thing where, oh, wow, this person is really giving me their attention and their time and it pulls you in and it disarms you. That doesn't mean that there aren't things that were strictly transactional. I tried to show both in the film that there are times where it's such just like, take your shirt off, mm-hmm. rub your titties, and then they log off. No, and, you log know, off really quick. <laughs> boom, they're gone, you know, because yeah. like, they're just trying to get out of there mm-hmm. and get what they need, you know? And so, right. of course, that's a transaction mm-hmm. and that's a part of the job. That's the blue collar kind of part of the right. job, you know? And then there are people that are actually are like, where are you from? Mm-hmm. And start really asking you questions and right. wanting to know about you. And Which you know, one did you like better? Did you lot is that take more from you when they want it pieces? takes more from you when they want to okay. know things about you right. but not like that sometimes you 
for some reason, like the person or you feel some affinity for that person on the other Mm -hmm. side and then you just drop into it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then next thing you know, like you're close, Mm -hmm. you you become close. And I think that, you know, in sex work across the board, that's actually very common. I think Mm -hmm. that's not talked about, that that deeper connections are really formed Mm -hmm. in very long-lasting ways. Do you think online is different than in person in, in that case? Not that you did that. I mean, it's just an industry. I kind of do because the thing that happens online is that you're kind of creating your own vision of what that other person Mm -hmm. is as well. Mm -hmm. So you can become even more infatuated Mm because you're not faced with the reality of that person, you know, and how that's going to land on you. You're creating your mind, you know, where where this could go and how you feel about them. So it's a very kind of rich space for that. All right, we're here with Numa Perrier and Tiffany Tenniel, the director and star of a new film, Jezebel, which recently debuted on Netflix, and also it is also in theaters, and they're dancing right now. <laughs> 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 we're going to take a quick break I now. Is this today? I hope you're doing something it's good huge. today, but now we'll be back Jezebel after this. Are, we're here. Jezebel <laughs> yeah, We'll we're... talk more when we get back. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Okay, we're back with Numa Perry and Tiffany Taylor still dancing, the director and star of the new film Jezebel. You called it Jezebel Y. That was your name online, right? Yes, that was the Why name. Why was that, that I your took name online? Because I love okay, I'm a maligned actually... person, by the way, in history, Jezebel. Well, yes, but okay, I didn't know that at first. Many women so the name uh, Jezebel is a beautiful name phonetically. It's beautiful. It There's is that beautiful song name. Sade sings Jezebel. Mm-hmm. I always loved that song. I loved mm-hmm. the story in that song, which is about a woman mm-hmm. who was not born with a silver spoon in her mouth, mm-hmm. but she became, you know, the best, mm-hmm. you know? And I just related to that song. It was just, like, so deep for me. Mm-hmm. So I always liked the name. I always wanted to use that name, but I learned that Jezebel is a name that is used to shame a woman. Yes, it is. Jezebel is a name that's used to, to put you down and make you— to belittle you and make you, uh, you know, um, feel bad Jezebel. about your about your own desires, you mm-hmm. know, and what, what you want. Se- sexually speaking. Yes, yes. sexually yeah. speaking, you know, as to make you feel ashamed. And so I knew that I could never use that name in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I started doing the cam girl... I said, well, my name's going to be Jezebel. Mm -hmm. I can finally use this name. And Mm -hmm. I I loved, you know, building that persona based on just even as a creator, as a writer, Mm -hmm. I can't write anything without a title. So I can't create anything like without a name. Like I got to know what the name is. And so once I chose the name Jezebel for myself, it's like then I started to build what Jezebel was. And Jezebel Mm -hmm. wore a wig. I didn't wear Mm -hmm. a wig in my day-to-day life. So we put that in the film. And Jezebel, you know, enacted these fantasies. I was discovering, you know, so yeah. that's yeah. how the I love came. the scene of you taking it. Well, two things I love the the the, the uh, poster is amazing with Aww. the earphones yeah. on it. Yes, that was, array. Yes. yes, array design team. Beautiful, beautiful. It <laughs> Thank really you. does. And the and the headphones you wear mm-hmm. throughout that. Tell me about that. It yeah, was a really interesting choice. Yeah, actually, it was my idea. Actually, yeah. um, Numa and I collaborated greatly with like she just really. You're we, wearing these old. Just so you know, she's wearing headphones I, from the old days. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the cassette player. The cassette headphones. player headphones that are now <laughs> Walkie, sometimes uh, an airline. A Walkman. Yeah. yeah. 
love my headphones. Yeah, Yeah, it just made the world open up for me because it is a period piece in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I, when when doing research for the film, I just studied that year and the time around it. Like, okay, what what would I listen to? What type of entertainment would I have? Mm -hmm. Like, just what type of clothes would I wear? What what was popular? And I Mm -hmm. I wasn't, we didn't come from wealth, so Mm -hmm. I know I wouldn't have that, but Mm -hmm. I would have something like it. Maybe that was a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. And we all soothe ourselves through music, so... That was like mm. one element that I really was mm. um, passionate about bringing to the movie, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I thought it, yeah. Was, you know, really it was elevated. great too because <laughs> I said, "Oh, maybe that's a thing that you know." It was great that Tiffany brought that idea, and because although although I didn't have them at the time, I said, "You know, she could have possibly had them," and it was great because she, that's what she would do when her sister does yes. the phone set, yes. right? Yeah, put those put headphones on, the, on, on, the, on the and then they man. just became like an iconic piece mm-hmm. of the film. They're on the movie poster. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah it's you didn't great. have a Walkman back then? I didn't have a Walkman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I still have my old, old one. <gasps> oh, you does do? Yeah, of course it does. Oh. You kept the one, right? You have the one oh, from yeah, set. Yeah. 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 I have so many cassettes. I didn't want to go into it. I, oh, okay. have, I, have, I have them all. I have eight tracks. I oh, got my everything. gosh. They're all in boxes. I have originals. Oh, you don't know what I have. I have so much stuff. Um, got I've been storage. Around. I got yeah. stuff. Yeah. No. I got, got storage. I got a vault. I got a vault. I don't know what I'll do with it. I'll give it to a museum someday. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the idea of doing movies like this in today's society. Look, you have a lot more ability to distribute. You're doing it in this very innovative way. Uh, now you have Apple in here. You've got Google's mm-hmm. coming in. You've got Everyone Amazon spending board, money. Huh? Right. right. It's everywhere. <laughs> and there's all kinds of money and there's big money being spent on mm-hmm. lots of interesting different creators. Talk about, and yet Hollywood remains, you have to do with the Oscars, look at, like mm-hmm. that is one of the, one of the, whatever you think of awards. I don't think a lot of awards, but people in Hollywood do. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have this lack of representation all over the place. And mm-hmm. yet never before has been mo- more outlets for representation mm-hmm. happening, especially on a site like Netflix, which really does have like a, a range of stuff on on or, or their their funding a range of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think Netflix is really leading the charge, and they mm-hmm. always have been. Actually, right. they were the first. Mm-hmm. So talk about that now. What's it like as a creator, and then what's it like as an actor? Because it continues to stay the same, but is different. I guess I don't. I, I mean, may you tell me. Yeah, well, I mean, as, you know, a creative person, mm-hmm. you know, as a filmmaker, as someone who's determined to get their projects out, mm-hmm. I really, I do pay attention to that, but mm-hmm. I have to look from the other side, the other perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like... I am represented mm-hmm. because I'm creating this work. Right. You know, I right. feel like on Twitter, on black Twitter, there's a representation of black mm-hmm. women. Our voices are right. being heard. Um, our films are being made. Mm-hmm. And there is kind of that struggle between, well, our films are, you know, getting made a, a little more now. Mm-hmm. We have all these great places where we can congregate virtually, Twitter, mm-hmm. Snap, Facebook, Instagram, everything. But we still sometimes want to fit into um, right. an aging paradigm. Right. Mm-hmm. And now that aging paradigm is trying, to, <laughs> is trying to overtake the space that we do congregate in, right. which is mm-hmm. the digital space. Right. So it's really interesting to, to see that happen. And for me, I just, I'm just always just going to keep going forward. Like, mm-hmm. we... As long as we have, you know, places like YouTube and we have platforms where we can put our our videos and our films out there, 
we will have representation, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of the way people are looking at it are, is a little bit backwards. Mm-hmm. No, the representation isn't in something that's dying, mm-hmm. you know, but the yeah. representation is right here. Mm-hmm. It's right here over here. And I think it would be a really radical thing for people to say, we're just going to completely cut that off. And But I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, you know, um, only men show up at the Oscars this year. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. I'll just go let the men enjoy the little party then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then what would happen right. if we just really all just did something well, else? It's interesting. They tried that during Me Too, if you remember. Yeah. They were doing that. One of the things is that it's— it, it, But I they always, didn't do it. They didn't do it. Right. That's the problem, mm-hmm. is that it's an industry based on uh, fear and insecurity mm-hmm. <laughs> in many ways, or has been. Mm-hmm. And and it's an industry based on not lack of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I think you're entrepreneurial, and yeah, so you're always. able to do that. Mm-hmm. And that if you were in—when I was talking to the L Word cast, actually, it was just in here years ago, I was trying to get them to be more entrepreneurial because I said, the stuff that's coming is going to give you great agency to yeah. do what you want. You don't have to be part of the system. You have to worry about what you say. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're overpaid salary people. You're overpaid employees is what mm-hmm. you are, mm-hmm. Hollywood people, and then you're employees. That yeah. means you have to go and sit where they say to sit. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really interesting thing. And so what's happening is that it gives this, these new technologies to give people more permission—ability, not, not permission agency to do things. Yes, yes. Um, But you're right. They are trying to take over. Yeah. Then. Yeah, but that's going to be kind of up to us to make sure we secure, continue to secure our space in that was already ours in the first place. Right. You know, so. Do do you worry? These were all big tech companies providing you these tools. YouTube is owned by Google. Um, You know, Amazon is Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apple is Apple. Do you worry about the tech companies coming in or or not? Or just you're using them as tools? I use them as tools. Because they are now funded content. Yeah, I use them as tools. And also, yes, you know, I'll be working with them, too, on other projects projects, but always retaining and knowing that as a digital native, you know, that this tool is a place where I can still you know, just put anything out that I that I want to do. You know, we wanted to, um, you know, do a spoof on on Little Women. Oh, oh you do what? <laughs> called, li- called Little Sisters, <laughs> <laughs> and have it be all black women. You know, and now someone's gonna steal that idea. But, I know. You know, but we would just put that on YouTube. Yeah, or just put that on Instagram. You know, and just have people enjoy what it. Are you? you know, what character are you? Oh, I don't know. What no. character should I be? Oh, take Amy. Amy's the bitch. Come okay, on. I'll take. I'm Amy. I'm Amy. the bitch. Yeah. Right. Come on, Amy's but, like um, yeah, the willful the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, Everyone just things Joe, like that that we like want to do that we don't want to be slowed down. Yeah. Right, you know. So I look. I think money is great. I think a lot of money is great. I intend on you know making more films with tons of money, mm-hmm. and I also intend on you know um, having that control and that agency to put things out in a, right. in a, on a platform like What YouTube. about as an actor? Is it still the same? Do you feel you have more ability to do things? Or, or I know a lot of actors are doing more and different things, and there's lots of—now there's content all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a golden age of— Spending yeah. on content. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel as an actor? And are you you want to make things too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and after actually doing Jezebel, um, in observing Numa and just seeing her just f- go back, just flow easily between like producer, actor, scene partner, mom, mm-hmm. it just inspired me and it made me feel like I can do this too. Like I can make my own stories. So I certainly want to produce, and I think people producers industry are really open to actors doing that like mm-hmm. there's so many examples of women like Margot Robbie and mm-hmm. some other amazing people um, who are leading that way so I'm really excited for where it's going I didn't always feel represented mm-hmm. but I'm yeah I'm just thankful for like 
we we have an opportunity like with streaming like to get our projects out there because mm-hmm. usually we wouldn't even see the day of light yeah. especially as an indie film right literally it was a small crew <laughs> numa and her sister were the only like the only people who were back in the movie financially mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. here we are on netflix ava duvernay's <laughs> a company array mm-hmm. is you know that's why we're dancing of course, i know it's, it's, it's such a huge this is a huge you know, you know and it's like for you know like women are going to see this mm-hmm. but you like especially black women they're, yeah. they're gonna see this we film they're gonna see these sisters they're gonna see this underbelly story mm-hmm. it's not slick it's just like raw mm-hmm. and real mm-hmm. but they're gonna see it at will, like however they want to see it because of Netflix, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, tracked, you know, Netflix progress from the very beginning, mm-hmm. watched them pivot into like creating their own content. Mm-hmm. You know, as a big, you know, F you, you know, to to the system mm-hmm. that was looking down on them and telling mm-hmm. them that, that they're that they're cheap and unrefined mm-hmm. and that they called it. Mm-hmm. Latvia, one of the heads of the studios, one time because it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I I did I was tell I was telling someone a story the other day. I brought uh, Reed Hastings, who started Netflix, mm-hmm. Chad Hurley, who started um, YouTube, and Jason Kylar, who started oh. Hulu, to Sundance in the two thousand three period. Mm-hmm. Whenever early, it was mm-hmm. early, early, early mm-hmm. on. It was super early, and I. I was. I, they wanted me to create a panel about tech, and I said, "These are. This is the future. Just mm. in case you're interested." Uh-huh. And they stuck us in a basement, and, and <laughs> yeah, they, they I was did. like, "These guys are going to change everything. Like yeah. this, these companies are going to change everything." Yeah. And this idea, and I said, "If you have another word, streaming, you better start to learn about yeah. it." Like, and it was See, interesting. So you knew. And it, well, yeah. it was yeah. interesting that everyone thing. was like, "Well, that's ridiculous. Just another distribution." I go, "No, it gives you freedom finally. Yeah. Like, yes. cause, don't cause have to leave your home. Well, you can find your audience. That's yes, what it was. exactly." And they they can find each other. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Sorry. And it doesn't have to be this huge commercial story. It could be something so, like, just, like— like prof- profound and just simple and like underbelly stories people about right. re- stories about regular people or it can find mm. a bigger audience too and yes, that's, and that's what I'm excited about yeah. you can, maybe one movie just should only be seen by a million people or maybe mm. it should be seen by 90,000 people but you'll find the exact 90,000 right. people right. and so what was interesting about it is it did suggest that n- many more voices would be heard mm-hmm. it is, but I do worry like you just said now they're trying to muscle in yeah mm-hmm. do you yeah. how do you <laughs> How do you control that? What do you do? You think about other we new just have technologies. To keep innovating or? along the way, you right. know. And I feel like you know, culturally, really, you know, I, you know, as Black culture, like we do lead a lot of those mm-hmm. things, you mm-hmm. know, and we transform those spaces. So mm-hmm. we'll continue to do that. Are, are you looking at mm-hmm. other t- technologies? I was oddly enough at this thing that Viola Davis was at, and she was talking about AR and VR. She, oh, yeah. she wanted to create a VR. Othello, which I thought was great. Yeah, oh, it's really interesting because a lot of people are saying, you know, kind of how you were saying in 2003, you better get on this now. Mm-hmm. People are saying, you better get on VR now mm-hmm. because that's where we're moving to. And I have an eight-year-old daughter, and mm-hmm. I can definitely see that happening, that she engages, she watches YouTube as TV. TV, she doesn't so watch my kids. Period. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. what do they oh, watch? Lots of things. Yeah, it's very varied. They have. have. I mean, maybe you watch it that way too, because they Mm -hmm. they don't watch network television. They watch things on network. They they watch Mm -hmm. Simpsons, but they Mm -hmm. watch it in pieces. They watch Rick and Morty. They're two teen boys. Yeah. Um, But I'll tell you, most of their consumption is on YouTube or elsewhere. Exactly. So they're YouTube native. Right. And then you know, um, my daughter loves going to the VR spaces, Mm -hmm. and that really that really is it. You know, and so it might be hard for us to see, but you can see 
see through the eyes of a child, for sure, right. that they don't see anything else. Like they don't, you know, process the world in that way. they consume that way. Yeah, exactly. So just a couple more things. Do you guys you think social media and other things are really important to your to the getting this movie out? Oh, like, God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Vital. A, yeah, yeah, this is a grassroots. book smart. It did that. Oh, it. God. Oh. You got to mm-hmm. have, I mean, yes. And I told everyone, like, uh-huh. if you're not on social media yeah. and really using it, mm-hmm. you got to you got to figure that out now because we need that for the movie. So our entire team is engaged in yeah. that way and mm-hmm. the entire Ray team. And, yeah, there's just, there's, I don't see how... There's, I don't see any other way that people would even know what mm-hmm. what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know. So when at you, all. when you think no. about Hollywood, both of you, if you could answer this final question, what is Hollywood to you now? I mean, here you are. You came from. You grew up in Chicago. You grew up a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is Hollywood to you now? Does it have to be a place? Here you are in Los Angeles and you're dancing today because you should because it's Jezebel Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you, every day is Jezebel Day. Ah, ah, yes. I'm going to lay that one down. Lay it all the way down. Yeah. Um, how do you look at Hollywood now? What is, what is Hollywood to you as someone who wanted, wants to be a film artist, wants to keep making films? Where do you see yourself? What does it look like in 10 years for... Each of you. What does it look like? I mean, I mean, I plan to continue to make films, mm-hmm. um, television, um, everything. It, it doesn't look different. The technology may change, but what I do and what I create will continue to, you know, have the same fiber. You mm-hmm. know, I, you know, I care so much about Black women being centered, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm part of ushering that in. So I just see that increasing and expanding Mm. more and more. Yeah, technology will shift, and I don't know how, but I'm going to try to stay on the cusp of it Mm -hmm. all the time. But I think uh, I'll always, you know, care about Black women's stories first and foremost. And so that's going to be my life's work. Yeah, and for myself, I see myself thriving very successfully in in Hollywood now. I I didn't always think that I could do that Mm -hmm. based on how I look, mm-hmm. but now I, I really do feel like it's possible even if I have to take the pen in my hand, if I have to build my own table, which I do plan on having my own production company. Um, but it's, it, to me, it's a very exciting time, and I'm mm-hmm. hopeful, especially to bring something like Jezebel, something so different, groundbreaking, grassroots. Mm-hmm. You can really make a movie with a shoestring budget, mm-hmm. you can get it out there and it can be, become something so big if you serve the story. So right. I want to continue to serve right. stories. Mm-hmm. It's so funny you use that thing. I've, I've heard it from lots of, um, even in Silicon Valley, people, uh, marginalized people of all kinds. It's like mm-hmm. how, uh, I don't know if I could see how I look, how I am. And it's such mm-hmm. an interesting set of words to mm-hmm. say, you look yeah. fine. Thank you. <laughs> I think so too. It's interesting. Because growing up, I didn't always think that. <laughs> Thank you. Fine. And so it's kind that's of an interesting, told. Yeah. Yeah. interesting thing mm-hmm. if we can move past that because it really is mm-hmm. there are audiences everywhere and there's and I feel that right the now. stories that yeah, need to and I absolutely. do think that stories cross you know cross of course you, you know, know all, all sisters are, are embracing this story mm-hmm. and in like my early mentorship of the script mm-hmm. you know um, <laughs> I was talking to 
Patricia Clarkson. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, Patricia Great Clarkson actress. was uh, incredible. I, I love her. Patricia <laughs> Clarkson uh, was one of the mentors uh, early on in this uh, script, and she was talking about her sisters. Mm -hmm. And every every woman in that room was mm -hmm. talking about uh, their sisters, if they had one, um, and how who in the family gave them permission mm -hmm. to start exploring anything sexually. Like, right. And between sisters, it's usually, mm -hmm. that's usually that person, mm -hmm. you know, that you first tell your secret, mm -hmm. a secret like that, too, mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it's really kind of envelops women in that way. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Where's your sister now? She lives she, on the East Coast. She She's seen the film. Uh, she saw it in Philly. We opened a film festival in Philly, mm -hmm. Black Star. She came out. It was the most perfect <laughs> screening for her to be at because it was full house. Mm -hmm. I brought her into the Q&A. And I'll, some of the people knew that it was my true story because right. I've been attending that festival and you for were years. Yeah, and they they knew, but they some people didn't know. So when I had her down for the Q and A, and I said, "This is my sister, and this is our true story," they just oh, <laughs> I had so many questions, and yeah. so um, have, she watched have, on Netflix today. Actually, okay. she watched the movie oh, again. Cool. Have you gone <laughs> online now to see what's going on in the online cam space? It's changed a lot. You might want to check. Uh, <laughs> I have. Checked in on it because I was just curious to see the contrast right. in making the film, you know. Right. And now, you know, I guess you can see the other person now. Yeah. It's a whole you're confronting a lot more mm -hmm. now. So right. the, the hats off to to the women it's who are doing it now. A lot of the economics have collapsed because people are doing it for uh, free. The, yeah, <gasps> that so too, true. that too. So I did go, you know, def definitely take a look, and I was like, oh, you know, uh, the finances of this don't don't make sense for me, you know. <laughs> right, right. But and then you yeah. know they're trying to regulate everything. They so, are. They yeah. are. Now you can use PayPal, though. No, you can't, actually. They don't, <laughs> PayPal, some of the payment services won't work on it. Because oh, it's... Got to get that cash app. Actually, yeah. yeah. Venmo. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to tell a fun story. Go but ahead, I mean, go ahead. No, I mean, Finish speaking of, up. like, cash app or Venmo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, Numa and I, we, 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 um, we went to celebrate one day. We went to this, um, it wasn't a topless place, but it was just, like, a... Okay, okay never mind. Don't worry. Okay, go, tell, go ahead, go ahead. It's bad. Go ahead, it. quickly. Oh, okay, I'm like, okay, anyway, so Numa and I went out celebrating, and we went to this incredible place. Um, this is a bikini was, bar. Yeah, the bikini bar. Okay, yeah, bikini <laughs> bar. But I was so fascinated by it. This one girl said, oh, you don't have to, no worries if you don't have money. She had a shirt with, like, a cash app, and I just thought that was so innovative and, yeah, like, it is. leading yeah. to the direction <laughs> we're heading to. Well, anyway, please see this movie. It's uh, it's Jezebel Day, and you can see it on Netflix, and it's also in theaters at various places around the country, but probably best the online. Amanda Cinema okay, in, in Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. But if you're not in Los Angeles, on Netflix. Yes. Thank you, Numa and Tiffany, for coming on the Thank show. You. you can follow me on Twitter, at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Numa, where can people find you online? Miss Numa, M-I-S-S-N-U-M-A, on Insta and Twitter. Okay. And what about you, Tiffany? Just Tiffany Tennille. Um, Tenille, T-E-N-I-L-L-E. -L -L -E As in Captain Anne. Yes, that's where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, <laughs> terrific. Uh, at, at, on oh, Twitter. yeah, on Instagram and on okay. Twitter, Tiffany underscore Tenille. Okay, and the movie? Hashtag Jezebel movie. Okay. And you can find us on Netflix. Okay, Jezebel. great. If you like this episode, you really appreciate it. If you shared it with a friend and make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search them in your podcasting app of choice or tap on the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Special thanks to Garden of Sound in Los Angeles for hosting us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.